Welcome to Grumpy GDPR. My name is Ria, founder of No Ties Consulting. And my name is Milos Novic. I'm an associate professor of law. So, hello, Grumpy GDPR people. Yet another week, yet another episode of Grumpy GDPR. Ria, how are you doing? I am doing amazing because I have spent uh, a lot of time reading, analyzing, digesting decisions. So I'm having so much fun. What about you? I am having tons of fun doing the same as well. It's been uh, quite, actually quite a nice flashback. It's uh, always nice to revisit some decisions and talk about them again and stuff like that. Uh, it's, uh, it's, you know, traveling back down the old road, even though last <laughs> time I said we're not going to, to do that. It seems like in privacy world, you have to keep down walking the same paths. Yeah, so but you know, we, don't, we have no choice because uh, others keep bringing it up. That is true. I mean, look at the whole world, just, uh, just coming with the same problems again and again. Meta, uh, meta, meta, meta. That is very meta. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, here we are again talking about meta and ads and bans and urgency and everything possible and impossible in this world. So there was this huge piece of news in Norway, but also it's made its way internationally that Norway has mm -hmm. instituted a ban on Facebook, right? But that's old news. I would also yeah. say fake news, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, and then suddenly we hear that perhaps the, this thing is going to happen all across Europe because we are going to pioneer and spread, you know, spearhead Europe into the new age with no Facebook, no tracking, no meta. Well, if we start paying uh, 14 or $17 a month, that maybe we'll have access. You see, but that is perfectly reasonable, I would say. Yeah, or we could accept uh, the personalized ads. Uh, and this is a topic for a whole another episode because we've touched upon this before and uh, we're going to talk a lot more about that uh, later. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, that is a fantastic topic. And I think uh, you, you know my opinion from our uh, discussion on paywalls <laughs> and Danish cases yeah. and newspapers. So there is tons there. But right now, they're not doing contracts. They're not doing consent. The issue at stake was their legitimate interest. Indeed. And I would like to open this podcast episode by quoting one of the most memorable quotes I have ever read in any decision or ruling or guideline or whatsoever. And uh, that's uh, we got to come back to the legitimate interest assessment. But I just had to start with this nugget that Meta put forward to the Norwegian DPA, Datatilsina, saying that. Meta asserts that its behavioral advertising is designed to promote and benefit human rights protection. Well, is there anything to add to that? <laughs> so Meta is uh, actually trying to reinforce our basic fundamental human rights by invading our privacy with uh, surveillance-based ads. Making the world a better place one ad at a time, I guess. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I just had to start with that. But you're going to give us some background to the case. Yes, I can. Uh, so we've already very briefly touched upon it uh, right after the summer, I believe. Uh, the background is relatively straightforward. The Norwegian Data Protection Authority uh, initiated the urgency procedure so that it held that there was this urgent and pressing need to actually ban processing of personal data carried out by Meta, unless it's done so based on consent. 
uh, within the territory of Norway. Uh, we have already discussed in one episode how this is a little bit unusual and does not happen that often. I think we went through the timeline back then a little bit. Uh, basically, long story short, is that they said that the Irish DPC did not act quickly enough to get Facebook to act in compliance with the um, previous binding decision of the EDPB as well as the CGU judgment in Bundes blah 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 blah. So Bundeskartland. Uh, I can't. I can't. I give up. I've just learned how to say Vishops Academy. No, I still can't. I refuse. <laughs> we know which judgment we are talking about. There will be a link. Uh, but yes, so they essentially say, uh, no, we have the judgment. There is no legitimate interest. We have the EDPB binding decision. There can be no contractual necessity. Very interesting that, you know, they have done this a couple of days after the judgment in July. Like, I think it was like, uh, what, uh, two weeks in July. Um, it was 10 days after. Yeah, great job. Yeah. Great and we've job. talked about this a few times on the podcast, so people can go and check out our episodes, Basket Cases, from January, I believe. And then we had the evils of the world from August as well. So that's old news, kind of. Now the new, new news is that we're trying to get this to the European level. And that's actually, I think, another piece is that uh, the Norwegian Data Protection Authority's decision was challenged before the uh, Oslo uh, court, or like national court. Uh, it got upheld. It was uh, largely just a purely administrative case. So no real GDPR, you know, uh, yeah. depths or very many details to find in there. So what are your opinions uh, now? What would you say strikes you as the most interesting aspect of the uh, of the decision, something that every controller out there should know about? Pick well, one. I think there are several nuggets in, uh, in this decision, and I would encourage everybody to read it, especially if you are in this field. And, uh, for example, it's not only the... Um, the topic of the lawful basis is it's the actual legitimate interest assessment that we'll talk about uh, later. And it's the um, how Datatilsyne, uh, the Norwegian DPA, actually defines direct marketing, which was something that I had uh, discussed a lot and lot with uh, Appear a couple of years ago, where he said that no, direct marketing does not entail retargeting as we know it on platforms such as uh, Facebook and Instagram, etc. It has to be directly, more directly. So there's a really interesting um, uh, take on that in, uh, in this decision. And uh, I also think that the discussion of the term behavioral advertising is super intriguing. And do you remember that list I sent you? <laughs> uh, Which, so one? I Which one? Which <laughs> one? Yeah. I reviewed so many different decisions and guidelines and rulings, Court of Justice rulings. And I put together a list that I, I actually sent that out in my newsletter, not trying to pitch that here. But you have... Um, uh, OBA, so online behavioral advertising. Then you have only BA that uh, the Norwegian uh, DPA uses here. Behavioral advertising, personalized ads, targeted ads, marketing or personalized advertising messages. Uh, and what's uh, really interesting here is that uh, the DPA actually defines it here and then goes on to say that no, you cannot uh, rely on legitimate interest uh, on this type of processing. Hmm. 
So I, I can't recall off the top of my head what their definition was uh, in the decision itself, but I do think it was probably very difficult for Facebook to argue that they were not engaging in a commercial activity and that the, I mean, it's in the name of the, um, I know, I get where you're coming from. It, there are definitely those like gray zones. How targeted does it need to be targeted in order to qualify as direct marketing. But the real issue then there is not solely uh, because of the e-privacy, I guess, because of the e-privacy as well. Uh, do you need consent or do you not need consent? But it's also interesting from the standpoint of legitimate interest and data subject rights. And that is something that the decision goes into uh, specifically. So if we're talking about direct electronic marketing, you have the right to object and the objection has to be accepted there are no additional criteria however if you're not talking about marketing purposes then we're suddenly uh, as meta argues you need to evaluate based on individuals circumstances which would generally apply for legitimate interest so then they can say yeah to then write to us why are you so special and why can't we target you with ads so i think that mm -hmm. that is another aspect right so first the question yeah. mm. Yeah, because that is a good point, because I actually did that. So uh, when Facebook or Meta switched to legitimate interest as the lawful basis, they did offer the opportunity to object, which, which was, as the Norwegian DPA so uh, correctly describes, a nightmare. You had to go through a form, you had to do a lot of different steps, and you had to reason and put forward your reasons why you shouldn't be targeted. And then it was up to Meta to decide whether or not they felt that those reasons were compelling enough. And I think this is a brilliant point by the DPA that the, they are putting the burden on the data subjects rather than the, it because uh, the objection is. The, it's for the controller to demonstrate the compelling reasons why. Mm. They, it doesn't say actually in the GDPR that the data subject is supposed to put forward their reasons. I disagree But with this you was there. only if the uh, legitimate uh, interest wasn't, based, uh, wasn't uh, based on direct marketing. Because if it's direct marketing and I object, mm. the controller just have to accept that. But you see, I think that the reversal of burden of proof or whatever based on the uh, expectation, sorry, based on the unique circumstances of the data subject, I think that in most cases it actually does make sense to ask a data subject, well, why are you so special, right? If I have mm -hmm. a legitimate interest to offer a library, sorry, to process personal data of my students to improve library services and somebody objects, of course I am going to ask why, and then mm. under the GDPR, I have to reevaluate, but the, I cannot reevaluate without them telling me this is why I'm special. So if this is not marketing, I would say, yeah, makes sense. But once again, I mean, now we're so deeply into nitty gritty and everybody knows the obvious answer. Facebook, like on their very first page, I would seem to recall, says that they're showing ads or doesn't. I don't know. But the yeah. issue is nevertheless moot, I think. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. So there's a balance there, of course. But I felt that Meta is putting all the burden over to the data subjects and also uh, consciously making it difficult for us to find it. I had to uh, do searches and I had to really look for that form and uh, search for it. It wasn't obvious. It wasn't uh, straightforward. 
and there was a lot of going back and forth as well. And I've heard on other podcasts where other people have done the same and they never even got a reply from Meta. Right. But look, uh, I think then we have a challenge for all of our listeners. If you have a Facebook account, Meta account, Instagram account, whichever one, please just try canceling or terminating it. Don't do it if you don't feel like it, but just look into, just try as a person who works with privacy and knows how a computer works to suspend, terminate your account. Because much like you, I've had a very similar experience. So mm -hmm. let's hear from people. Yeah, absolutely. So what did you find the most interesting uh, in all of this? It's hard to pick. It's hard to pick, but if I had to pick one single thing, I would say the discussion on transparency. And no, mm -hmm. I can't pick one thing, two things. Transparency and harm. So the first thing they're saying is obviously a part of the legitimate interest assessment is can data subjects expect this type of processing? What they're then saying is no, this is not the type of processing that, pers that data subjects can expect. Facebook makes two arguments. The first one is but we tell them about this in our privacy policy, to which Data Protection Authority replies, we're sorry, but people do not read privacy policies. Oh my gosh. Tell me that this is not ridiculous. <laughs> I, I was uh, a bit astonished to read that. And the actual quote is, many, da many data subjects simply do not read them. And should I just read the entire quote? Please do. It would be unrealistic to suggest that any significant proportion of data subjects have the time, capacity or desire to read in detail the privacy policies for all the apps and services they use, including those of the Instagram and the Facebook services, nor that they can somehow be legitimately expected to do so. I'm speechless. Like if we have anyone yeah. from any data protection authority listening, I will just say, if you ever feel like writing something like that down, Please stop immediately. Yeah, that's the, an instance where you write it on the post-it and you tear it up after or yeah. put it in the oven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, though. So uh, then why have Article 13 and 14 in the first place? And yeah, secondly, let's just uh, throw it out of there. Let's just yeah. remove it from the GDPR. I mean, come on, everybody knows that this is a challenge. Uh, they um, they refer to the Norwegian Consumer Council's reading the terms over 32 hours. And I absolutely get that. But I don't think it's appropriate for an authority to use that as an argument. I have literally spent four uh, years of my life writing about terms and services exactly of the type that they were reading. I agree, it's horrible uh, to an extent, but we do have tools and I'm not going to get into my whole blah blah national contract laws. Uh, let's just take one deep breath, one step back and say, okay, people mm -hmm. do not read privacy policies because in practice they don't have the time. First, whose fault is that? And secondly, mm -hmm. uh, so what? Um, if I order, purchase a TV, it comes with a manual. It says, please do not mount it on south facing walls and puts like a huge danger sign. Mm. So what if most people do not read the manuals, you know? Uh, so I think that arguing that uh, the uh, data subjects could not expect be expected to read the privacy policy, it's a horrible argument. Yeah, it is. And the, the very same applies to terms. We cannot use the argument that, well, people don't read them because that's on the onus of people to actually do. Right. 
So this is this was uh, part of the decision which I feel they got wrong. So then the second part about the reasonable expectations of data subjects says, well, no, people do not expect this. And then it offers us two pieces of evidence. Uh, one is a survey made by Noib. I have nothing but the deepest respect for Noib, but they are an interest organization. So uh, to have an authority use a survey methodologically disputed by Meta, so I don't know how methodologically sound it was. It had 1,000 um, participants, 1,000 participants from Austria. The questions which were asked, um, again, I'm not an expert in statistics. I can see how it can be interpreted both ways. So that was the first piece of evidence to show that this is unexpected. And the second one is the survey made by the Data Protection Authority itself uh, with about 1,500 respondents, if I recall correctly. Uh, that survey is actually, if there is a translation in English, I must encourage everyone to read it because, yes, the survey says that most people are not actually uh, very fond of personalized advertising. But the same survey, if I recall correctly and see correctly, I don't have my glasses on, I'm traveling, <laughs> uh, says that 37% uh, of people uh, have no meaningful knowledge about the GDPR. Or say, uh, like, I would say, if I see correctly, like 17, 16% say they do not care about privacy. 60 say, like, ah, so and so, yeah, I do care. So, uh, so yeah. it's, but once again, the fact that we have so many people saying, yeah, I know nothing about the GDPR, I think most people, or like a very significant chunk of people, don't know that they have the right to access their data. Uh, so, again, this is uh, this is not solid evidence, and that's my problem through and through and through with the stuff mm -hmm. that comes from Dot to Sinaedepebe. Oh, that was very Norwegian of me, EDPB. <laughs> uh, and but it's a good point because I, it, it's the same in Bundeskartel Amt as well, and in I've had, I think maybe both we and and other and with others I've had this discussion about what are reasonable expectations. Why can't anybody? get a survey or a study that is independent and done uh, as good as possible, so to speak, so that we can know more what is reasonable expectations because they talked about that in the working party, the EDPB, uh, the various supervisory authorities, in the court of justice, but nobody mm. seems to have some more substance in the evidence that they're putting forward here. No, but there is tons of scientific research and they can, uh, I think that both of these surveys were externally commissioned, if I remember correctly, but again, find yeah. actual evidence. The problem uh, on relying on evidence like this is that you're not giving the other party the ability to actually argue against it. If you make conclusions based, or you're actually making it very easy for them to challenge the decision afterwards. Um, but again, yeah. we see the same with contractual necessity, just pulling out the gut feeling. That is an excellent point and a great segue into the legitimate interest assessment that we are going to dive a bit into. Because uh, one really key thing here is that you need to inform people about your legitimate interest, right? And one critique from the DPA was that Meta failed to do this. And they also, and again, I would encourage everybody to go through the actual decision because uh, as it's written, uh, it seems that Meta failed massively on their legitimate interest and risk assessment. Mm. And that's your area of expertise. What did they do wrong? 
Oh my gosh, there's so many bullet points that we, we, we cannot go through all of them. But before I begin, I want to make one note to all of the controllers out there as well. That is a huge takeaway for everyone here. And that is uh, one comment from the um, DPA on uh, how it impacts your credibility if you k- throw everything in the kitchen sink into your arguments that we saw with Argon Medical. We've seen it with TikTok. We've seen it uh, again and again with Meta and that it actually undermines your positioning if you keep arguing uh, everything, everything and, and all of it. Uh, so... If you are to build a case, uh, not like not against the DPA, but to defend your processing practices, I suggest that you take some time to really think through what are you going to say here and what are our best arguments to put forward. Of course, of course. I mean, it's it is always stupid. Let's just put it plainly to just throw everything out there. I've said this in Argon episode, like everything you do say is going to be used against you. Do not go to the DPA and use arguments unless you're sure that they work. Be concise. Yes. Yeah. And do that internally too. Like if you're a DPO working with another department, right? Yeah. So uh, keep your arguments in line and sound and solid. And then, uh, again, when we look at the legitimate interest assessment and considering the necessity, I thought that was interesting as well, that the DPA says that it's not granularly assessed and uh, Meta just puts forward that everything, everything we do uh, is necessary. All of the purposes are necessary to achieve our overarching goal of uh, making money from advertising to have a sustainable business. Mm. So that was one critique as well. So do you have any thoughts on the necessity assessments i honestly do not i do not because you can't really assess necessity unless you have an uh, interest which is more granular like i actually i actually do agree i do agree yeah. with, with the thoughts there and also they mentioned that meta doesn't really assess any alternatives in their business model they just assume that this is given that we have to do this and they don't mm. put forward any alternatives but i'm I'm thinking maybe that's not so strange. I don't know. On one hand, it sounds wrong uh, because I'm telling you, well, in addition to your business model, you need to consider other business models as well. Hey, Ria, if you had been a carpenter, you would not have uh, used people's data on Spotify or whatever. It's nonsensical in that sense. But then from the other side, it's the data minimization principle. If you can do it with less data, you should do it with less data. But then yeah. again, then again, data minimization principle is applied per purpose, right? And not per business model as such. So it sounds wrong that the DPA can tell you consider going into other business. And I think that from Meta's perspective, it would probably undermine their position. They're like building a case against themselves, sort of. So yeah. I, that's why I said it's strange. I don't think it's that strange that Meta avoided to do that. Uh, what's maybe more strange is the lack of substance in the assessment as I read it because there's a lot of redacted information from it but they have uh, the DPA have summarized some of the um, missing points in both their legitimate interest and the risk assessments for example proper consideration of categories of personal data the extent and manner of processing the number of data subjects affected So I think, and I mentioned this once as well, that I did once a 
DPIA, LIA, role assessment, uh, sort of assessment. Uh, uh, because if you really want to build your case, thinking from several perspectives and thinking about risks in a really substance manner in your DPIA or whatever it is, I think that is only to your benefit. Because here we see clearly that uh, Meta is getting a lot of criticism because they're not considering like minimal consideration of adverse effects, for example. Mm, I do agree. I do agree with you to a very large extent there. The only problem is that some of the risks that the DPA mentions, you should have thought about this specific risk, like echo chambers. I don't know where I stand there. Well, I think that is um, something that's very commonly known when in the discussion of surveillance-based advertising. So why, why is it detrimental? That is like one of the big... Um, yeah, that just leads us back into the discussion on, ev on evidence. First, can the DPA show that there is a risk of echo chambers that uh, comes with Facebook's specific processing? And then secondly, can they show that uh, this is not mitigated? So the burden of proof, in a way, um, the D <laughs> it's funny because data controller principle of accountability, they have to prove compliance. But also if challenged on that compliance, the DPA has to argue, well, no, this legitimate interest is not good enough, right? So to me, it, uh, it does feel a bit too abstract. Everything in this decision feels a bit too abstract. Yeah, I, I do agree on that. However, uh, or rather, they should have referenced the out-of-control report from the Norwegian uh, Consumer Council because that report summarizes many of the harms and um, and possible damages to data subjects uh, where echo chamber is mm. one, you have discrimination, you have the chilling effect, uh, freedom of expression and all that. So uh, they could have done that. Uh, on the other hand, as I read the, the bullet points on the deficiencies in Meta's assessment, maybe it was just meant that uh, the, there are so many deficiencies that building a case hmm. on each bullet, so to speak. I don't know. Um, I'm torn. But it's also very important to read between the lines in this case because a couple of times they say, we're not going to rule on transparency. But then they bring up a lot of transparency stuff. Why are they not going to rule? Hmm, mm. could there be a case someplace that was about Maybe. transparency? Maybe. So to I think... continued. Yes, we're going to keep talking, but we can't keep on talking forever. I don't so what's know next? to stop. I have no idea. I don't know what's coming because this decision alone has opened up so many new topics for us to discuss. And it hasn't been the yeah. only one. We've been fighting back and forth for days. What are we going to talk about next? You had a <laughs> poll. I got out outvoted. You have to tell people and we'll wrap up now. Yes, uh, I did a poll. Which decisions should we discuss? Uh, the alternatives was Grinder, TikTok, and the Metaban. And the Metaban absolutely crushed it. It was almost seventy percent for a long time, but now I checked right before we jumped on, and it was on fifty-five, which was still uh, much more than the others. What did Miller and... say? <laughs> Sorry. What did Miller say? Uh, Miloš wanted to do the Metaban way before the poll even, so uh, you were spot on. <laughs> No, I wanted TikTok, I think. I was entirely no, wrong. No. 
we we decided we were to do TikTok and then you proposed the meta ban and I said nah let's do TikTok and then I did the poll and I said well you were right you are so. not transparent enough I can't hear you there is this <laughs> survey that says she's wrong thank you good people we will post the decision Ria will do like a bunch of super fancy stuff and I'm yes. sure there will be good stuff and have a wonderful week and. The next from here is to wait and see if the EDPB will actually make the ban permanent and extend it to the entire EEA. So stay tuned. I'm sure we're going to be grumpy after that as well. Or very happy. <laughs> if they ban or, it, I would say. Happy. Like, let, yeah. Let's see. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>